and welcome to episode 26 of Turn-Based Memories. We're back after a short nap. We were taking a nap. That's all that happened. Uh, moving on. <laughs> no. um, we are now doing, as I believe we hinted at, <clears throat> uh, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. So if you don't know who I am, my name is Mel, and I will introduce my co-host shortly. And the whole point of this show is that I have played Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, back when it was new. And my co-host is uh, ha- coming off of having just played the game recently as of recording um, for the first time. And we're going to be comparing our experiences. Uh, if you're familiar with the show, we used to do it slightly differently what we're going to do now is we're going to go through a written review, which we will also post in the video, in the YouTube video. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast version, we have a YouTube channel called Turn-Based Memories. Uh, you'll find the links to the reviews on there, and we're going to be basing our commentary off of those full written reviews, uh, which we won't be reading Uh, You'll have to read those for yourself, but we're going to be going over them anyway. Um, So let me just briefly introduce the game before I briefly introduce my co-host. We have Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. This came out 2004 on the GameCube. It is the third in the loosely connected Mario role-playing game series, which started with Mario RPG, went over to Paper Mario on the N64, and now we're at The Thousand Year Door. And there have been many spin-offs and continuations of the Paper Mario series. None of them have ever really kind of stuck to what this game did. This is kind of the culmination of what this formula was for the series. You had the Mario and Luigi games. They kind of did their own thing on handhelds. And then the other Paper Mario games definitely went on to do other things entirely with the series so talking about the thousand year door and i'm talking about it with zoltan how are you doing hey thank you for introducing me i'm doing fine thank you you're very welcome all right um so i think it's probably not going to be a shocker that both of us kind of walked away enjoying this game quite a lot uh Mm -hmm. me at the time and again now during my playthrough again and and you now for the first time, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I really liked it, as you'll find mm-hmm. out, as everyone will find out. Yeah, it's definitely within both of our wheelhouses. You know, it's not a dark game. It's, um, it's definitely got some some good music, as you point out later on in your mm-hmm. review. And it's turn-based, so that right there, obviously, is uh, in both of our wheelhouses. And yep. <laughs> who doesn't like Mario? Um, you know, and... We'll get into it uh, Mm. in terms of the reviews as to, you know, it's not just Mario. If you're fully unfamiliar, you know, this isn't made by Miyamoto. That's right. You know, Mm. in-house Nintendo. This is made by Intelligent Systems. These are the same people who make Fire Emblem and a few other role-playing games that are very dialogue-heavy. This is still a Japanese company, but... They are really. I don't. I tried to look it up. I'm sure the info's out there somewhere, but I tried to look up who they worked with or if it was in house 
on the localization mm. for this game because that is the star of the show. It is, isn't mind. it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. For this game in particular, I, I, we did Paper Mario on our show, uh, the first one, right? We did, yeah. <laughs> right. I feel and I like I just repeated myself been, in this one because I don't remember everything that happened in there now. Uh, it's just like a lesser version. It, like, take all the sliders and all the quality level of this game and just, like, knock it all down two or three pegs. It looks a little worse. The gameplay's a little simpler. The dialogue is all a little less clever. The story is even more basic, <laughs> which isn't the point of these games, but even more. Uh, but there's the roots of it are there, and the roots of it were in Mario RPG as well, where right. that series was also kind of like a pastiche, like a take on Mario. It was kind of poking yeah. fun at the idea of Mario. We did Mario RPG on our show as well. I believe that was our first episode. Yes. Um, and this game takes that to the next level. It, it makes fun of everything Mario and Super Mario related mm. and all the characters. And it really does an incredible job. At the time, I was blown away by it. We'll get into it. And I remain, having forgotten most, most of that dialogue, I remain pretty impressed huh. uh, by just, like, how actively funny this game is. You mm -hmm. know? I agree. Uh, so, so, how should we get into this? <laughs> let's start by, um, I'm just going to run through. So, there's a, a comment I made in your introduction. If anyone is playing along at home, we're going to kind of scroll through each other's reviews here, and I have my notes here. I'm actually going to pass up that comment because we'll get into it later on, and we're going to move into your section about the story. Now, you were much more organized in your review, and you broke everything out into these <laughs> yeah. lovely little sections. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to focus in on the story, and your basic takeaway here is, you know, it's a basic plot. There's uh, a new bad guy that they kind of invented for this game that's not part of Mario and never was again. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of uh, all a plot device to make the plot happen. Sort right. Of. Yeah, which is it's, good it's enough. Serviceable. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is good enough for a Mario game if if you consider that Mario is just, you know, the whole point is just he's got to go save the princess. Now Correct. play the game. So Right. Mm. Yeah. So and and uh, you know the twist of course here is it's not Bowser which is the case in the first Paper Mario and right not the first Mario RPG it was famously not Bowser in Mario yeah. RPG it was like a party. yeah he joined your party and I remember that being a big deal it's like oh my god you're playing with Bowser on the Super Nintendo that's how old that was it has to be the first time they made Bowser it's an ally. Be, yeah. So maybe outside of Mario Kart, like, I don't know what that <laughs> We don't need to care about that, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, they do something similar here. And, uh, Bowser isn't on your team, but you do play as Bowser in these really interesting side, like, very short yeah. side-scrolling Mario-ish 2D platforming levels, yeah. which are all, like, kind of hilarious in their own way. They are, yeah. Um I don't know what to say about them. I mean, I did enjoy them enough, but like, <laughs> right. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, it's it's They're it's like brief. a palate cleanser, right? Is that yes, what this is? Yes, a yes, palate yes, cleanser? Yes, yes. Yeah. I agree. I think the chapter format the game adopts, which I think is a carryover from the original Paper Mario, 
Um, the chapter format has a flow where you play the majority of the game as Mario and his friends, and then whenever you collect one of the seven crystal stars, you transition over to this little B-plot with Peach. Right. And she's stuck where you find out she's up on the moon. Yep. And she's trying to figure out what's going on, and you're trying to figure out what's going on with her, and there's maybe a brief minigame or just some dialogue that you do as her. And again, this happened in Paper Mario as well, where you would transition, just not in the in as structured a format, I don't think, where you would transition over to Peach and there was like a, a cake baking mini game that you had to do <laughs> and I forget what other little things that you had to do mm. with her in the castle. Now she's trapped again, you get to play as her again, just in like a sort of story uh, uh, capacity. But after you're done with those segments, you then play briefly as Bowser in a pla- in a platforming yeah. uh, section of in all like things. In like a Mario Brothers 1 stage, kind of. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're all picks on actual Mario levels, I think. Mm. Uh, but they're all ridiculous, because Bowser is ridiculous. He's huge. He's yeah. just stopping and busting his way through everything. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they replaced the mushrooms with like big hunks of meat for some reason. <laughs> I don't know if I realized that. <laughs> yeah, you can get a hunk of meat and that makes them grow. You get another one, he gets it's even, even bigger. bigger. Yeah, it's like just like off the screen. That's how big he gets. Yeah, and then and if you just walk forward when he's that big, just everything that touches him just explodes. Everything breaks, and you just like don't have any. It's no challenge, and I think they're really short, and I think that's for the best because what is there is very basic, like. It's not yeah. really the I, game per se. Yeah, I don't think that we want to be, uh, you know, doing a, a Super Mario Brothers one swimming level, you know, like a, a really intense, challenging no. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers one swimming level in between each one. I mean, right. you can't save before that either. So <laughs> correct, but you do have infinite lives. That's they true. Yeah. To you at the beginning, where there's a little Bowser. It's a whole intro screen with a little Bowser and an infinite symbol. Bowser it's, it's times very, infinity. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I think that is basically just an interactive cutscene, and that's part of, I guess, the C plot at that point, where Bowser is always kind of comedically one step behind right. Mario as he's running around collecting crystal stars and then you play as bowser in the area you were before right and he's, and he's just too late where's the star <laughs> and i can't believe it and then that's it every time and then he fails in hilarious um uh fashion every time and it's very well done he's written really well i think for just like a total doofus who thinks he's hot shit but kind of knows he's not <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, what, what is your opinion of the, these uh, interlude scenes, particularly the Bowser ones? Like, you think it's better with them or without them? I know story-wise, in the end, there's like a quick, there's a payoff at the end, uh, you know, for showing him being one step behind Mario all this time. And I'm like, so what is it going to do at the end? Like, what's mm. going to happen? And then finally, it happened. I was like, well, thank God they used that. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know overall, because my opinion is that I didn't really care to go through all those, even though I didn't dislike them in particular. My favorite, mm. I um, I want to just get to the next main dungeon is, is sure. my feeling all the time. Right. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the value is the dialogue. I think uh, 
the value, the most value I think you can extract out of this game is the dialogue. And I guess that kind of leads into the next point. For your entire section that you wrote in your review, I just had one note and I just said, agreed at the end. <laughs> uh, because, you know, you kind of pointed out the story is kind of basic, but whatever, it's a story anyone can enjoy. Yeah, and. But, you know, you point out that the dialogue is incredibly well written. And I say in my review that despite this game having no voice acting, not even voice clips at the beginning, where sometimes like in Zelda, uh, you know, a character might go. Yeah. (laughs) Or like they'll make a noise that kind of indicates what they might sound like or they might say one or two words. And that kind of gives you the template of how to voice them in your head, sort of. Right. They don't do that at all, except for Mario, very occasionally going, ha, like, that's it. When he jumps, right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes he'll go, aha, like, he'll raise his hand or something. That's right, yeah. That's that's it. No one has any other vocalization whatsoever, but you can still hear a lot of these characters based on the way they look, but also on the way they're written, Mm. They have these mannerisms of their dialogue or these habits of speech or whatever that you can tell the uh, blubber guy has like a <laughs> accent, like a southern sort of accent. Type right, of thing you can tell. Yeah. On like the word the, choices he's using. Yeah, like there's that uh, pirate ship, that ship captain guy uh, who's like yeah. a narcissist and he, it's like he has a French accent or something. He's like, right, he says, yes, the Flavio guy or Flavio, whatever. Flavio, yeah. He says <laughs> Zit instead of it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, they just do, do more subtle instances of that too. Uh, I think the, the pirate himself has like a Spanish accent. Oh, yeah, I think um, so. And it's just yeah. kind of picked up by the word, certain word choices he uses. It's kind of like a weird accented way of forming words. Um, but all, you know, Bobbery is an English guy, is an English accent. Mm. Um, and I can hear all of them in my head very clearly. It's written really well, but beyond that though, the actual things they're saying, I think are, you know, funny really often. Funny. Yeah. At, uh, at the very least clever. Yeah. Yeah. Clever. I think, um, I think one of my favorite examples of it, it you can tell what, whenever this team who wrote this, was given like on many occasions just like go nuts like say mm. make this person say whatever you think is funny <laughs> right like don't worry about the original script the point of this scene is to have these characters Be say fun. something funny <laughs> and i think it's no clearer in any other part of the game than when you're in the twilight town mm-hmm. and you have to hide and listen to those crows oh yeah everything they say, they all... say is insane <laughs> right like yeah like they're, yeah, so like the joke in this case is that you're listening to crows in a tree talk, but they're talking about like high speed internet and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> and they're talking about it in ways that like you know tech nerds might talk about it. You yeah. got those real fat pipes, bro. Like, <laughs> like yeah. what the fuck is going on? And there's another pair where they're talking about their son's SAT scores. And oh, right. Like, what is happening? <laughs> it's so amazing. It's like, it's so off the wall. Another one's like having like a real serious conversation about environmentalism. Oh, they were one day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like a, a straightforward, like they're having a discussion about global warming. It's like, what is going on in this game? It's, it's really, uh, you, you could tell they were having a lot of fun. Hmm. 
putting this in together and you made a couple indications about certain, like the name change of Rock Hawk was Gold Hawk. Yeah, Japanese. I just happened to come across that information that he's called Gold Hawk in Japanese. Okay. And they switched him up to Rock Hawk, which is like, right. when you think about it, well, that, like, I didn't go see what he says in Japanese. Okay. Right? Like, what is he saying every time in the English version? He's like, Rock! Bring the yeah. rock or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's not saying rock. Or maybe he is, right. but he probably isn't. <laughs> probably not. He probably went with a different sort of gimmick for his character. I'd be curious to know, um, like, how different. It's got to be very different, like, overall. Right. Yeah, I think overall, and particularly Rock Hawk, yeah. I wonder if the English version, are, are like, are both versions of the game equally funny? Or did they funny up the English version? That's a good question too. I'd like, have to go watch like some Japanese scenes. I should just I should go ahead and watch like the Colosseum part or something in Japanese and see if I can, you know, get some good information out of that. Right. See, see the difference. Yeah. So I had a, a note about what you said about the script. You said that mm-hmm. the humor was self-deprecating, and I don't think I really noticed that in any way that it being self-deprecating. Um, like with uh, um, Bowser in particular, and just kind of poking fun at sort of the formula of having to say Peach again, and oh, Luigi being kind of like a dope who's got all of these sort of like, because there's that whole subplot that you can listen yeah. to with Luigi, who's going on basically the same type of adventure you're going on, right? Right. But with people who are not yours, like different like partners that he shows up with, and. It's like the same freaking story almost. Yeah. Uh, I see but it's all kind of yeah. played like against him, like he's doing all these sort of other things. Um, so they're poking fun at just their own uh, series tropes, is what you mean? Yeah they're, yeah, they're poking fun at the game itself. I think they poke a little bit of fun at like some of the bomb moms who are all Russian, or some of them are for some <laughs> yeah, reason. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that uh, I like how uh, they just explode, but then they're completely intact. And they'll explode again later at any time. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's how that works. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's just it's not afraid to sort of riff on its own on its own stuff. Was all I meant there. But so I think this might be a good time to ask you one of the questions I have here. Um, <laughs> uh, Story wise or setting wise, not dungeon exploring wise. What was your favorite chapter? Or favorite scene or whatever. Favorite area. Mm-hmm. I think for me, story-wise, my favorite one was... It's it's a toss-up between the riding the train scene and the whole, yeah. the whole uh, Coliseum one. I think Coliseum is my favorite in all aspects, gameplay and everything. Uh, it's probably my favorite one, uh, chapter of all. Which is a bummer when it comes in chapter three. That means it's n- nothing is as good as chapter three for me. <laughs> but I don't know. I really enjoyed the train scene as well. Uh, I really loved how you heard that there was a noise. You're told there's a noise in the other room. But every time I go in there and check, there's nobody in there. What the hell is going on? And so you're supposed to to think to go in there and have Vivian uh, take you down, hide in the shadows. And when, you know, which means you sink into the floor and you're not visible. And then when you're not invisible, then the ghost appears and then you can come back out and talk to them. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and then you you uh, satisfy the ghost's earthly needs, and he ascends into heaven, but then he just decides not to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I decided like being here is actually way better, so I'll just stay yeah. here. He said yeah, exactly. he likes to train. <laughs> one of the those are the two uh like kind of different chapters, right? Because they they both have these sort of gimmicks to them where in one you're climbing the ranks of a wrestling or tournament yeah. fighting yeah. uh bracket and the other one you're on a train solving like an Agatha Christie mystery. Mm. And um mm. Those are definitely the two standouts. Those are probably going to be most people's. I guess the train one is fun because it does have a more traditional dungeon segment to it. It's short, but it's there. Um, oh, yeah. Where you stop, you mean? Where the mm-hmm. train stops? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you do get that. Um, so I was hoping they would do a thing that most RPGs do not do, but Chrono Trigger did do. Um because I, you notice, I never complain about uh, any game, just like about JRPGs, just being uh, too repetitive for the most part. Like, like FF12 is a good example, right? All you do is next huge ass dungeon. Okay, next huge ass dungeon. Okay, next even longer than the previous dungeon. Like that's basically all you do when you're not watching cutscenes, right? Yeah, of course. And, and I never complain about that, but a lot of people do consider that just way too uh, repetitive, and they find that a flaw. Um, that's weird because I feel like that's why you're there to just do the battles. Yeah, I mean, that's the gameplay. The battle yeah. system and watch the cutscenes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, that's so, what I'm there for. Mm, yeah. So in the case Chrono Trigger, though, they do this thing where they actually, uh, I didn't notice it upon playing it the millions of times myself, uh, but I read the book called the Reverse Design Chrono Trigger, something like that. Um, uh-huh. This guy who, uh, I think he's actually making a game, him, game himself now, but he's he has this whole series called Reverse Design where he just like, I guess he's like not reverse engineering because he's not making anything, but like he's breaking it down. I guess that's the reason for the name. Uh, where he just like breaks down like what exactly every little thing programming-wise and game design-wise means in these games. Um, and so, you know, he he made this graph where he shows like, how much battles are in every quest? You know, the first quest oh, is you wow. go go to back in time to go save Princess Nadia. Uh, what's her name? What's Princess Nadia's name in the game? Marl. To go save Marl yeah. and bring her back. And then there's the escape from the jail dungeon. And so, like, he set them all out into, like, missions. And then he, like, put, like, the amount of... In- he made this graph that shows, like, the number of uh, NPCs per mm. each mission, the amount of battling per mission... And he made a couple graphs like that, and like he showed that like when you get to the kingdom of Zeal, you've already been through two super long ass dungeons back to back, and it's the only time you've ever had two dungeons back to back. And you know he's making the point that you know they do this on purpose, where they have this long ass story section after two long ass dungeons because they actually think about you know whatever fatigue, dungeon fatigue, or story fatigue, or whatever. And I kind of thought that this game was gonna. Well, I do feel like this game does it to a point, like with the format, like you said, with the, you know, there's an interlude uh, with the princess scene and then there's the Bowser scene. And then you go back to town and you have to find the next way to get to the next dungeon, which is the part that I didn't really care for. Um, And then finally you arrive at the next area and then you have to see what the problem is. And then they'll tell you, go to such and such dungeon to solve our problems. And then you finally enter the dungeon. Um, Right. And so they have done a, uh, you know, they created a format that I guess is supposed to combat fatigue in to some degree. I kind of mm. wish they took it a little bit further, though, because, like, 
I remember finishing the the Coliseum area, which is like my favorite area. And but it's all battles, right? Literally twenty battles right. if you don't ever lose, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> and um uh that was a really long chapter because of that. And then the next yeah. place you go is the uh uh Twilight Town, and you're just supposed to go, they tell you, hey, we, we're getting turned into pigs. Yeah. Go see who's turning us into pigs. I think he's in the something or other chapel. I can't remember the name now. Yeah, the creepy steeple. The creepy steeple. <laughs> nice name. And I went in there and I found the dude pretty quickly and I bonked his ass and he was dead. And I was like, well, that was a job well done. That was easy. I got the crystal star <laughs> and everything. Ready to yeah. go home. And then All you go right. back and it's like, dude, this is like just like the first one third of it. Now you have to figure out my name. And I'm uh-huh. like, I'm sure it's like a quick thing in within this town that I have to find. And it turned out to be a long ass mission for me in the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> so I kind of hoped that there would actually be a few tr- uh, chapters like that where there isn't that much. And I was also hoping that I could just enjoy the mystery that's happening on the train. And then we just arrived at the place and I get the star. But we had to stop at that one dungeon in the middle, right? <laughs> yeah, the pacing. That is a really good uh, um, question mm. or observation. Because whenever I am playing a game, I will occasionally think... How did they decide how many rooms this dungeon is going to have? Oh, you know, yeah. how, you know, how do they figure? Where are they? Like, obviously, they have what they have. It is what it is. But how did they arrive at this number? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. When they're you when know. they're designing it, they should have some reason that they want to make it this big or this small, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure during all design process, there's give and take and cuts and additions. Like, you know, how do they. They just you know run out of time is that purely what it is or, or was there some sort of we want every dungeon to take x amount of time is there like a goal there and like i'm sure there's any number of ways you could do it right. as a designer but i always okay my mind will always occasionally drift to that question of like you know what what made them put three enemies here instead of just one, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, I had that that feeling, that exact same feeling when I was in the final. Was it the final dungeon? Yeah, um, because unlike the previous dungeon, what was the previous dungeon? The moon. Okay, yeah, the yeah, moon. Yeah, the dungeon. not based on the moon. Yeah. Okay, well, that one wasn't that bad either. But that wasn't uh, much of a dungeon, though. There were a couple fights in the hallways. It was mostly puzzles. Yeah, it was mostly puzzles, and then I accidentally left the whole base and when i came back all the hallway hallway battles respawned (laughs) oh yeah that'll happen yeah but um yeah so that one was kind of a to a degree um maze like in in that Mm. you have to explore all the rooms and see what's in every one and then you know where to go after that but Mm. then the the inside the thousand year door dungeon um it was just a straight walk from left to right for a really long time and i was like yeah this is what i want i want the final dungeon after after doing the x not uh, dungeon, even though it wasn't that bad, you know, in terms of complexity, it wasn't that bad or that huge. Um, I would like to just have a gauntlet and then beat the game, <laughs> is what I thought. And then it, it kept going straight forward. Um, and you know, this you fight Gloom Tail, <laughs> right? And I'm like, okay, good, now I'm ready for the final boss. But then you have to go back and climb this tower and get all these seven or eight keys. Which I didn't yeah. hate, but I mean, I was like, okay, now I have to do this. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's a puzzle dungeon. It's, I kind of, <clears throat> when I was in the middle of it, because I hadn't remembered any of the solutions, they're not hard, but one or two of them were like, what the fuck do I do? 
Yeah. And um, I just at, in the in that moment, I was kind of like sitting there going, I don't really like it too much when a role playing game that is otherwise not very puzzly becomes a puzzle game All of a in sudden. the last dungeon. Yeah. That's and a it's good like, point. Where is this coming? It's a habit that games in that era tend to commit. I think the biggest example in my that always comes to mind is Final Fantasy X, the last dungeon there. What was the it was last like a, dungeon? Oh, a sin. maze. Yeah, sin, right? Yeah. It was like a maze gauntlet of annoying bullshit. Yeah. It's <laughs> like why? Sorry, I went into like game design, world design stuff in there. But uh, the thing. Well, I, was... I think that's kind of part of it. I mean, maybe that's a little bit more graphics and design, but you know, uh, it kind of blends into the story as well. Um, mm. With uh, you know, who, what are these characters? How are they styled? And then kind of like, how is the world laid out and styled? So with the chapters. Yeah, we were talking about the story. Just now. Sort of. Yeah, like the story progression is broken up into these segments, and when you get to these dungeons. You were saying that, you know, there's these long interstitials between those dungeons. And I guess they kind of did that because they they were focusing on the story in this. I think they they definitely knew uh, what the focus of this game was about. Like, because the combat, which I guess we can move into uh, at wait. this point, unless Not, you got more. Well, I think another thing we should talk about before going in there, then, is uh, talk about how the... Um, yeah, before the combat, we should talk about the puzzle-solving thing, because this game doesn't do what you just said, which is where suddenly it becomes puzzly. It's actually puzzly throughout. It is. Um, and it every time... yeah, got puzzle at the end, though. I'm sorry? It got a little more puzzly at the end. I suppose so, yeah. There was that tower with the eight individual puzzles that yeah. are all kind of interlinked, like you have to go do another room first sometimes. And yeah. that's like some Alundra shit right there. <laughs> Yeah, and they force you to, you're constantly switching all of your partners out right, to, to use them all their abilities and stuff, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. But it had uh, it had puzzles throughout, and one of the main things about this one is that every time you finish the, the, the chapter, and you know, beat the boss and get the star, then you got to come back to Rogueport every time. And, yeah. And you have to go use whatever new stuff you got there to find a new area within Rogueport and within that little underground area beneath yep. Rogueport. Like, you got Bobbery to join you, and you got the so the Crystal Star from the island. Okay, now come back and look for all the places that have little cracks in the wall mm -hmm. so you can use him to bomb them. And it's not... A lot of them are not uh, optional. Like, you have to go do it to get to the next one, too. Right. So, I mean, uh, what, is, what is the comment I want to make about this? I guess... What do you think about it? It's kind of Metroidvania-ish, is what I is, wrote here. In right? a way. Um, because uh, you can I see guess, them all before you can access them. You know? Correct. And you, you get power-ups that actively... Um, it's not just the partners who join you. You also get like better boots and better hammers that let right. you break things down or jump up higher and get to other areas. So definitely... It has some of that involved. Um, yeah. What do you so think of that? You're saying that some of this was getting, mm -hmm. it was kind of breaking up the parts where you get to the dungeons too much. Um, well, I mean, I can't like objectively say it's too much, but yeah, I personally well, didn't want to keep going right. back there and um, because it's kind of a big complex area and I just wasn't in the mood 
to remember where all these little cracks and all these little peeling off pieces of paper were. You know, you got the new character and the new ability. Now I got to remember where did I see a big gray block? Where did I right. see a pipe <laughs> way up in the high that I have to jump up to? And it's not like there's a map system in this game, so right. you can't really like bust open a Metroidvania map and like, yeah. look at where you haven't been. The the positive is that it's uh, by the time you reach the end of the game, though, you do basically remember where everything is. Um, because it's not True. that huge, luckily. It's not that big. Yeah. I, initially, it can be a little bit. It's overwhelming uh, at first, though, right? Yeah, and even having come back into it, having played it, I think I beat this game prior to today, or not today, the, the, this, this um, playthrough. Um, maybe I beat it three times prior Okay. Uh, over okay. the course of however many years. Games have been out for 20 years, believe wow. it or not. Mm. Um, but it's... Uh, so, I, you know, obviously, that means I'm a little familiar, but it's been longest than it's ever been since i've gone back to this game and uh it definitely at first was like i don't remember where do i go to get the fuck like i couldn't remember where to get the ultra hammer from uh and it's staring you right in the face but was, was i it couldn't in that remember giant treasure chest it's in the giant chest yeah. that you see when you first start the goddamn game right <laughs> It's one, supposed to be taunting you the whole game, and I totally forgot it was there. Yeah, the one that I was like, where, where do I do? Where do I go? And it was the first time that I ever had to go talk to that fortune teller guy to ask him what to do. Um, mm-hmm. Was uh, you're supposed to push the R button to turn, like, ver- like what do you want to say? Like you're facing sideways. Sideways. Let's just say turning sideways, and then you can go up between these two houses, and that just did not occur to me. And I don't think the only Ooh, clue. The only uh, clue you have is that you have to notice that that there's that little space between the two houses, and then you have to realize, oh, that's right, I can turn sideways that's, now. That's something I did right away because I remembered it. I don't yeah. know how I figured it out. I guess I just maybe I don't remember using the advice guy, and I don't think I ever used a guide when I played the game. But this was many years ago, so maybe I did. I have no idea. Mm. But um, I remembered that. I remember going having to go between those houses yeah interesting so hmm. yeah i was wandering around after chapter one or two or whatever it was forever and then i was like okay that's it there's that one guy i'll talk to him (laughs) and then he told me like in grave detail you need to turn sideways and go between these two houses on the east side of rogue port like what Okay, and then I went over and looked at it. They're like, right here? Is this where he means? Holy crap, I was not about to think to do that. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, in this playthrough, again, the part that I totally blanked on was the General White, like, hunt. And oh, yeah. Said, oh, he feels sleepy. I'm like, what does that mean? And then I looked in the inn where the guy said he would be, or where, where the guy was standing next to, and yeah. he wasn't there. I right. looked at the in Pedalberg where I, I thought he lived. I couldn't remember he didn't live there. No, that's him. Like, he's in Pedalberg, right? He's originally in Pedalberg, but that's not where he lives. Oh, you have to go there though to get the hint or something, right? Originally, you have to talk to the mayor, the old mayor turtle guy. Yeah. And then he'll say, yeah, he left somewhere. Yeah, and they all say that basically until you get to Twilight Town and then they say, well, he left. He thought... He, he looked sleepy. And that's and the only hit you get. And, and, and then, then where was go, he? 
then you have to go back to back. Far Outpost, mm. which is where he lives. But I didn't actually make that connection. I thought he lived right. in Petalburg. <laughs> me too. I thought he lived at that house that he was standing in front of the whole time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I was like, he's not here. He's not in the, in the guys next to where the hell is he supposed to go? So I looked it up online like, oh, shit. That's right. He's in the stupid. That's where he lives. That's his house. So how how about that quest? Like, did they really need to make us go to every island again? Every done. Uh... I think they did that because they wanted that to be your. <clears throat> they wanted to make sure you knew you could go back there using the warp pipes. Even way back this late in the game, they want to give you that hint. Like it's the end I've of the game. I never had a reason to do it, and I guess they were. Making sure you do. <laughs> I mean, if you do any of the uh, the trouble quests, the side quests that are called trouble in this game, yeah, they send you to the previous places. They uh, like, do. Like the first one that I did was like, I just came back from Hooktail Castle, and then the first trouble I was like, dude, there's this guy. I'm in I'm in Hooktail Castle. Can you find me? And I was like, okay, yeah. I'll go back there now. I just came back from there. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a big slog to do those. Um, there are. Only um, a handful, I don't know if this is going into the exploration section, but there are only a handful of those trouble missions that are really worth doing. Uh. And some of them do give you some interesting items, but by far the most interesting one... I know what it is. You do? I think you I know what it, it gives you. They give you a it character, you- right? Yeah, they do. They give you that thief girl, Mouse. They thief give mouse you girl. Miss, Miss Mouse. Mouse. <laughs> the, the thief the, Mouse. So does she, if you get her, does she, do you have access to all the badges she got up to that point? No, oh. but she's, because <laughs> I guess you have to buy them from her shop, right? That's why oh, she's, she's going to open a shop? Okay, that's cool. That's fine. <laughs> well, no, she works with the badge shop in town. I think they're connected. Okay, but that you was, can't get her shop good. unless you recruit her, right? No, you can always go to that shop and buy badges there. It's can at the you? top. Did you not know where it was? I'm sorry. Which shop do you mean? The one in the it's in in Rogue Port? Part on the second floor by the inn. Oh, was that her shop? I think that's supposed to be hers. She's supplying them with badges, I think is the idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I got up there. Yeah, I went in there. Okay, all right. Yeah, I think that's the idea. But uh, she's okay. She's very optional. She doesn't... Obviously, she can't have a power that you really need because you could not get her. Right. <laughs> All she does is find hidden items, which cool. Uh, it's cool. But you know, I guess we'll talk about it in the gameplay section more. But okay. I really use items. <laughs> I'm sorry, you really use items? You say? I think I didn't really use. I use yeah, I use a bunch, <laughs> a handful. <laughs> Here and there. Okay, um, so should we go so, into com? What's next? You tell me. Uh, well, I guess let's briefly talk about because I didn't have any notes on uh, your arts and graphics section. I mean, it is what it is. It's the paper motif, right? right. It looks cool. I think it looks cool. It's used to clever effect gameplay wise with the turning sideways and the rolling up into a ball. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, uh, it's pretty straightforward. You know, it's to your point. It's kind of a thing they've done before and since where they kind of hmm. make their properties into these like sort of arts and crafts things. Yeah, like they made a crayon or a yarn game with Yoshi, right? 
There's been a yarn Yoshi. It's not their property, but there was also a yarn Kirby. Ah, also basically a Nintendo game, basically. uh, And Yoshi's Uh, Island, which is considered Super Mario World Two, right? On the Super Nintendo, had a crayon aesthetic, didn't it? Right. It was all hand drawn looking, very you know crayon drawn in look. Yeah. So that's cool. I like uh, that they tend to like to play that game for some reason with the look of their stuff. And in this case, instead of it just being a look, I don't recall. In the first Paper Mario, did they ever take advantage of the fact that it was paper or was that just a look? I'm tr- I can't remember now. <laughs> I can't either. And it's sad because I feel like we should know this, but I yeah. don't think they did. Any of that turn sideways, you know, roll up into a ball type stuff hmm. in Paper Mario. I think they just used it purely as an aesthetic choice. Huh. Yeah, to make it fun in a way, yeah. To make it fun and different. Uh, but, yeah, they, they definitely took advantage of it here. And it's also clever because I'm sure, it, you know, you mentioned they throw a whole bunch of characters on screen at once. Right. It wouldn't be possible to do that if they were all 3D polygons. Right, yeah, exactly. So I guess that was what able, enabled them to do it, huh? Was the 2D mm-hmm. paper aspect? Yeah, it's... Um, I, I actually, when I was done playing the game on the emulator, on the Dolphin emulator, there's a, uh option on the emulator itself to uh, turn on the free camera so you can move the camera wherever you want. What? And That's a thing? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I will occasionally do that. And the amount of tricks they pull with the perspective in this game is actually really cool. The dialogue box, whenever anyone's talking, yeah. with all the words on it, right. is actually really far away in the background. A physical, actual object that pops in. And you can move the camera over there, and it's just white. It's like a big white board that shows up behind the characters, not above them. <laughs> but wait a minute. It's, that, it's, text boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Don't they appear in front of everything every time they pop up? They do. So there's a programming trick where they... It's way in the back, but it's on top? Front. Yeah, it's oh. on the top layer all the time. That's crazy. Even though it's way in the back, and it's like kind of clipping through buildings yeah. whenever it shows up, and it's like kind of at a slight angle to be at the right perspective, because you can't move the camera normally in the game at all. It's always like right. it, it's moving automatic. on its own. Yeah. It's automatic. And uh, so they have full control over how they are angling things so they angle that text box it, it's just kind of very funny that it's all it's a giant box that shows up way in the distance that is ge- uh, that, i mean well i don't know i, I want to say that's genius but i don't really understand why it's genius to be honest because like it's clever is it better? Right? it's interesting for sure i wonder why though like is it that's better than uh, just having a normal you know, JPEG like of a, a menu or something pop in. I don't know what the yeah. programming logic behind that is. That's Probably, cool, though. It is cool. Like those kinds of little behind the scenes things where the character models do have backs to them. I don't know that you're always given the opportunity to see it. Like you can see Mario's back. I think there if is you move occasions. The camera there. 
Hmm. Yeah, but I think there are occasions where he performs animation where you see yeah. it. Because normally you turn left and right and you're just seeing a mirror copy of him. Yeah, but if you like, forward. yeah, but if you hold up and press the oh, hammer right. button, you hold up in a way he'll. Yeah, you're right. He does. You can kind of see his back as he hammers. But yeah. there are other characters that can also turn around that I don't know necessarily always do, or they don't frequently do. So mm. I, was, I found that interesting. But uh, yeah, the 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 amount of off-screen elements that are kind of used and hovering around in the background, I just thought that was fun, and it probably gave them a lot of creative license because it's all very lightweight it's all 2d flat stuff yeah environments are very simple when they are polygonal they're not very um expensive so to speak in programming terms but uh the uh i guess the one thing I'll, i'll mention here is in the middle of town in rogueport did you think it was weird that they had a giant noose hanging in the middle of town? I did. I was like, geez, what is this? Why is there? Uh, why is this here? They never address it. They never do, do they? Yeah. No. I mean, other than the fact that Rogueport's supposed to be like a dangerous town. Right. But it's like, fuck, how dangerous is this place? There's a noose hanging. There's like a gallows in the middle yeah. of town. <laughs> And it's it's front and center. It's not like off to the side somewhere. You see it constantly. There must have been like a scene they were gonna make with that later or something. They just I, didn't get it I really it. wonder, or they cut it because like Jesus, like right. what would you do? But they didn't cut I, the the gallows themselves. <laughs> yeah, they didn't remove the <laughs> noose. <laughs> right? Yeah. So question I was very surprised it was in there. Yeah. So a question about when you use the free camera, um, do you know if the images are, in fact, actually 2D? Like when you t- yeah. completely on the side of them, they completely disappear? Or do they have, like, for example, one pixel of width or something? They may have. I know when it comes to 3D uh, hard, like um, engines and software that it's actually more difficult to make a purely 2D object inside of those sort of graphical engines Uh, it's easier to flatten a 3d object okay so that there's zero width to it i think um shovel knight is actually technically a 3d game but it's just all 2d sprite like shown Uh, interesting it's yeah so i don't know if that's what's going on here but when i moved the camera to the side everything was the 2d things were 2d and the 3d things were 3d so so they completely disappeared Mm -hmm. okay yeah, That's it's hard to get them at that right angle, but yeah. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting look. Uh, yeah, okay. Beyond that, I don't think there's a lot to comment on the surface of itself. Yeah, being yeah there's not cool. much to say about the, the paper aesthetic other than right. they did a good job with it. They sure did. <laughs> Uh, so I guess we'll go on to your next session here is exploration. So we already talked a bit about you know, moving between kinda. the world design and the backtracking that you need to do, sort of Metroidvania-ish. Yeah. Uh, one of my comments here, we kind of already addressed. Uh, did you feel like the backtracking was too much? You said you never consulted a guide. You only used the in-game hint a few times. Yeah. And then I asked here, how <clears> many <throat> times did you get stuck? So it was just the one time there, no. or did you get stuck any other time? <laughs> Three or four times. Three. Or okay. Four. I think I used them four times. Yeah. Um, All right. And there's a couple things I still have like a complete that are a complete question question mark to me still. Um, 
But yeah, uh, when we came back and you had to walk between the two houses was the first time. Uh, I did all kinds of other things before I finally got to that point. Um, I can't remember where all the other ones were, but they're just like, so now where do I go kind of moments. Right. I had that too. Um, I definitely had that. Yeah. And you know, like they say, they say you need to go over here and use this pipe to go to the next area. And it's like, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I don't know where that pipe is. And I didn't feel like just searching around randomly in the underground yeah. area. So then I just went to the guy immediately. <laughs> yeah, there are many occasions where you'll go to Professor What's-His-Face, and then he'll be like, oh, gosh, Mario, it looks like you got to do the thing. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's like, great. You know, some help you are. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you got to go talk to this guy. I have no idea where he is. Bye. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> um, also, the one, I think one, another one that it took me kind of a while, an embarrassing long time, <laughs> this is like really bad. Um, when you finally get the ability to, this is in the train, where the train stops in that little dungeon, you get the ability to scrunch yourself down and then spring up really, really high to jump. Yeah, yeah. And you can grab onto pipes and stuff above you, right? And then move along them and get to new areas doing that. And you get to a room where there's the key. You can, like, see Oh, it. I had the same problem. Right? And I'm like, okay, I have to spring jump up to the pipe. And then, like, yeah. from the pipe, jump over onto the little platform with nope. the thing. But you can't jump from up there. You can only drop straight down <laughs> from wherever you go. So it took me a pretty while. And I picked up my phone. Like, I'm about to consult an internet. And then I thought, about, oh, wait a minute. What if I just hit it from below? And that was what I had to do. I don't think they ever told you you could do that as the problem. I think they, I thought, did they, did they not? I thought they did, to be honest. Did they? Because I totally don't. Maybe I buttoned through it, but I, uh. So my daughter was playing and she buttoned through it. And I think it said uh -oh. it, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, they, they, they probably did. I think we both somehow Missed we it, both yeah. skipped through the tutorial that we should have paid attention to. But yeah, you can bonk, you can bonk stuff uh, from underneath, and then it'll pop it down or hit really high. Uh, and that's what you're supposed to do boxes. to get the hammer inside of the chest, the giant right. chest at Rogue Point. And that's Port. probably why I didn't remember because I forgot that was even a thing. <laughs> yeah, so that one was one of my little bit longer puzzles. <laughs> Yeah, um, I got stuck in that exact same spot this time, too. Yeah, because they make a point that, you know, because it's, it's kind of a, a special characteristic of the jump, an idiosyncrasy of the jump that you can't move forward or backwards at all. You can only go straight up. So at first right. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? But then they're like, you got to grab onto pipes, and then you can go forward after that. Okay, that's yeah, the pipes is kind of weird. I think the thing that threw me was the pipe is right next to the thing, and it's like, oh, well, I just learned how to interact with these pipes. I guess that's what I have to do, right? Right, exactly, yeah. I think that's my point as well, I think. Yeah, I think if that pipe wasn't there, it but, would have been clearer. Right, but if there's no pipe, you can't. Oh right, yeah. No, well, then just get rid of it. Like, build the room differently. Build the room so a little bit differently. Yeah, be there. <laughs> <laughs> it was right there. I was like, oh, pipes. Yes, this is the new thing. I gotta do the new thing. Right. <laughs> I gotta do the other new thing. It's so we so allowed weird. ourselves to be programmed by the game a little bit there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed all of the little puzzle solving stuff throughout the game. Yeah, um, you mentioned here that uh, you didn't really do uh, too many of the side quests. I did not either on this um, 
run through for the reasons that you kind of express the rewards are kind of poor. I mean, you might get some money, but I was not hurting for money in this game uh, toward the end. So there's this dude on, on the very front uh, front of Rogueport, like where the boats right. are, the actual port. And yep. he's like a big mouse dude. And he's standing mm-hmm. there next to the boat icon thing where you can turn into a boat eventually. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm starting up a business. Do you want to yeah. donate some money to me? And yeah. I'm thinking, well, this is definitely going to pay us off somehow in the end. And I gave him 100 coins. And then I saw him later, and he was still there. And he's still accepting donations, so I gave him another 100. <laughs> and then later, he was gone, and I never saw that like anything from about him or his shop oh, or anything or my money ever again. What was supposed to happen with that? I lost 200 coins there. I forget what the exact trigger is, but he is supposed to uh, go off on these adventures with your venture capital, basically, and then start up, I think, like an oil mining company in the the dry, dry deserts, which is an area from the first Paper Mario game. It is, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then... I think he actually mentions running into Colorado, who is the Koopa that you play with in that game. Oh. Who you found in that area. Like he has all these little stories that he comes back. I don't know what the triggers are anymore for them, okay. but he does eventually say, Oh, my business has been so successful. I'm going to pay you back plus whatever. Plus double or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like you definitely get your money back, but I don't remember what the triggers are to make that work. <laughs> it, it was probably one of the side quest troubles that you had to solve. Could have been. There are quite a lot of them. Uh, were you doing the tattle uh, option, like to get the info on the enemies? In the beginning, I was, but uh, around one third to halfway point, I I didn't really need it so much. Now, did you have the enemy HP badge? Yes, I did. So that was one of the so main reasons I didn't. Yeah. I also had some other amazing badges, like an amazing combination that I was like, I don't think I need any other badges, <laughs> and so yeah. so that was one of the reasons I stopped bothering didn't really bother to do side quests (laughs) yeah i think that was the one thing that i kind of made sure to do was get the fill in the tattle logs which is generous in this game because if you forget to do it for like a one-time only boss you can still get that log it's in the trash can in the the trash can yeah (laughs) (laughs) i noticed that too i was like oh that's cool that's nice they're very generous about that i guess uh so but yeah, I didn't wear that badge, so in order to get their HP values, I had to uh, tattle on them every time. Well, not every time, but at least once. Right. Um, the You said you did half of the pick of 100 trials? Yeah, and then I got scared because there's no freaking save point at all. And yeah. I, I have a pretty dangerous badge set up, so. Oh, wow. Okay. You're yeah. relying on the low HP to do crazy yep. damage? Okay. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the pit I did early on as much as I could, and then I bailed out of it. It is a commitment. It's kind of a same... They do this in Zelda a couple times, the same scenario where you've got a... You have a bunch of rooms long, of combat. A bunch of rooms. Every five or ten rooms, you have the option to bail out or keep going another five or ten rooms, but you have to go all the way before you can bail out again. They couldn't put a save point in stage 50 at least. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. And the, Or like a shortcut to go back there or some shit. No, they want right. you to do the whole thing. And 
it's a bit of a, a bummer because it's only exciting and interesting to do it when it's really hard to do it. At the but end, by right? The time, yeah. Well, earlier on, like maybe midway right, yeah. or exactly. Yeah, it's know. it's more exciting to do it early. Okay, yeah, but go ahead, continue. Because you're getting like good experience and money, and right. it's also you know the most challenging this game ever gets. <laughs> yeah, is if you were to do that early on, and. Uh, to, at some point, it becomes straight up impossible because you're just not doing enough damage. Right. But uh, the do you know what the final reward is? I don't think I looked it up. You fight another dragon boss, right? Yeah, you do fight a, a bone. The third, another bone. version of the dragon, uh, a bone one, and it, it is a pretty tough fight. You get a badge. What is the badge, dude? The return postage badge, huh. which will uh deal damage equal to half the damage you receive back to whoever hit you. Oh, that's pretty crazy. So it's pretty good, but you shouldn't be taking damage directly in this game. I guess so, not, right. So well, mm, let me know when you get to the combat section and I'll ask you stuff. <laughs> right. I guess that's more combat related. So as far as exploration of this goes, that's maybe <clears throat> the most interesting diversion that you can go on there uh, right. are most a of couple... the mm, most of the uh, exploration is just like you know within the dungeon that you're supposed to tackle right now at the moment sure. so just like the side areas within there grab this or that extra thing right. um the only other side content to speak of are the side narratives with luigi right that Mouse guy we were just talking about, and there's one other person who talks about the history of uh, Rogueport and the Crystal Stars and gives like a whole bunch of backstory about um, where the black chests come from that you got your power ups. There's a story, there's like a lore to that. <laughs> where, where is that guy? I don't remember anybody. He's saying. all the way on the east side of Rogueport. I think he's in a house that you have to get into a root like through the roof i forget exactly yeah. where i, I, I mean, go to him on this one, i should have met him but, uh, i okay. think he might only show up at a certain point so you're probably in that house at some mm. point but no one was there so i forget the exact trigger but these are guys that you check in on as the story progresses and they give you another lore dump and again the the focus there, of course, is the writing because it's all just them talking to you. Right. So the actual side questing in this game, eh, not so much. Yeah, I think so too. Another thing that you can do is uh, there's there's there are a couple other things actually you can do that I, that I also did not do. There's that Pianta's casino type place. I, I didn't play any of those games. Yeah, there are a bunch of side games you can do in there, and you can win things. And uh, there's another one that I'm thinking of that you can do that's a side thing. There's a lottery that you can do right the outside. The lottery, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever win the lottery? No, I remember playing it when I first played the game. There's a way to like fix the lottery. I forget how to do it, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I never won it either, but I went ahead and bought a ticket and was waiting for my number to come up, and it never did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a good, uh, you said you, you spent some star points on the guy who picks the stars the star pieces yeah I, yeah i got uh i use the star pieces to buy a bunch of that's all those are for those right are some, yeah those are yeah just those are 
for some pretty good badges. You right. Know. So I bought a bunch of badges from him using those. Yeah. And All right. Yeah, they put like star pieces behind anything. I like that. They really do. <laughs> I like how if there's anything obscuring the foreground, there's probably a fucking star piece behind it. Yeah. <laughs> I bumped into half of them just like, like, like oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter found a bunch of them too. Like, whoa. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And thank God, I don't know how, man. Like, uh, another one of the main exploration, like difficult parts uh, in the great tree, the second dungeon, the big tree dungeon. Um, you have Madame Flurry with you, and she can do her yeah. blizzard wind thing, where she blows in, on things, yeah. and it like makes pieces of paper fly away. Yeah. And like I don't know how she noticed it. My daughter, there's like so many times where like I was supposed to use her to like make a piece of paper go away and access yeah. the thing, and I wasn't noticing it. I was not noticing like the little peeled up corner or whatever it was. Yeah. You're supposed to find like the the puny guy's shop in there or whatever in that tree and like dude if my daughter wasn't there that would have been looking online right there there's a couple of instances where there's almost no indication other than this looks a little suspicious yeah and then i think the ones like that i think i may have just remembered <laughs> i mean there's always just like you tried all your other abilities and none of them are working maybe i'll try madam flurry and blow right. something away and there you go. <laughs> but too much. That whole dungeon was interesting in terms of the the mechanic they had to run through with those with little all guys. Those guys. Yeah, I mean it wasn't bad, but uh, annoying. Right, <laughs> exactly. Honest. I found it kind of annoying when I came out of there. I was like, you know, I don't really care for the gray tree dungeon. Yeah, I mean, it, I didn't like the way it looked. It was really all black and white and boring. Yeah, it was and... weird. It's exactly the same. <laughs> didn't like it. But, yeah, what are you going to do? Then you go to Chapter 3, Glitzville. Oh, yeah. And that's like the best Big thing difference. ever. <laughs> really turned it around. All right. Are okay. we ready to talk about combat? Okay. First question. I totally forgot. I, I keep doing this every game we play. There's like one mechanic that they tell me to use, and then I just forget about that one. Remember how in the very first Mario RPG that we played, I forgot that you could press the button when you get attacked to defend and I never defended oh, once in the whole I, game I and you were like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, you played this game on hard mode. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I I noticed that this time and then my, uh, my daughter started up a new file because she just wanted to try to do stuff herself a little bit even though she can't read English. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, we got into the battle tutorial and I had forgotten that the guy said that if you push the B button instead of the A button, you can do that little flip move where you just completely, completely nullify the attack, no matter how powerful it is. Is that how that works? Yeah. So I, if you I never push press the, the, hmm. the timing window on that is way tighter and it's a big risk, big reward. So you can fully nullify, I think, every single attack in the game. Yeah, if you know when. If you know it. exactly when to do it. And That's amazing. Even the ones that hit like boom, 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 like over and over and over, if you know the timing. You can get them all. Or, or if you cheat. Because <laughs> there's a, a, back in the day, there was a uh, action replay code oh. where you just hold down a button and it would execute all the timing moves for you. That's crazy. I, you know, messed around with it just to see how crazy it would get. And. 
yeah, all the attack times and all of the perfect defense, it just does it for you. And it's like, wow, you just don't get here at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Yeah, so I never used the B button. I forgot about it completely. I guess because right. I thought to myself, well, I got to learn the A timing before I'm going to learn the harder one, right? Is what I thought. <laughs> yeah, and then the um, uh, the style little flips that you can do, they're attached to like every move. Yeah, I found those later on my own. I didn't even buy the badge for it. Right. Yeah, there's a badge that tells you the timing, right? Right. That's what it said. And I didn't know what it meant yet. I'm like, what the hell is that? And then later, I just found some stuff. Like yeah, if you just buttons. press a button after you do a, an attack, you'll probably execute one of those little style flips or whatever they are. Yeah, you know, um, the A button timing is really, really forgiving because it's not like if you push it too early once, uh, that's the end of your input. You can push it again after. And like, so I noticed my daughter was like nailing some uh, defense defensive timings against hits from the enemy. Like times that she should not know how to do, like those little, <laughs> those little fluffy guys that go on you and they like they suck on suck your HP out. Like the yeah. animation for that's pretty long, and at the end yeah. of it is when you're supposed to push the button. Right. And like, I'm like, oh whoa, you got the timing, and she's like, I just like was pressing the button over and over again. <laughs> and I saw her do it, and I'm like, yeah. So I guess it can take inputs like as fast as like da 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 even, and it'll still count them all. And if yeah. one of them is at the right time, it'll take it. In other words, this isn't Eternal Sonata where they punish your face off. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Pressing the button too early and your character is just committed to that stance and then can't, you know... Can't get out of it. <laughs> can't get out of it, but no. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a window. If you execute the button press at any point inside that window, you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, same is true for the attacks and bash on the button early by accident and then press it again when the window is live and you'll get the timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I remember having a harder time with some of the timings last time I played this game uh, with some of the special moves that you could do, like the star powers and having an easier time. I don't know if that's just because I was not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have any problem with it. Uh, what, um, yeah, like I got all the star powers and all the time. Like the most difficult one for me out of all of the timings, I think, is uh, Vivian's, her normal punch yeah, attack. Yeah, like a random button. Because just like, duh, duh, duh. And then they show the button like right before you're supposed to press it. It's like, damn, I can't react that fast. Um, yeah. So that one, but like uh, an ability you said you didn't care for the star powers too much, but I actually use them a lot, yo. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> uh, I guess I don't. Know. There's the um, there's the one that you get early on that does like a lot of damage if you clear all the button checks. Yes, that's the trimmer one, right? Yeah, that that I've used a bunch. Same here. I use that a whole bunch of times because it does five or I think if you get it perfect, it does six damage to everything. Yeah, uh, which is a lot. Because, right. like we're saying in your review, all the values, all the numbers in this game are low. Yes. Really, really low. If you're not familiar with a Paper Mario game, uh, it's somewhat true, but less to a lesser extent in Mario RPG. But in Paper Mario 1 and 2, you know, you're talking about HP values that get, like, h- high numbers are like 50. Mm. Yeah. That's a lot. 
<laughs> I can say that I went through the entire game on 15 HP, basically no problem. <laughs> That's crazy, but at the same time, I can see it happening because a large number of damage to take is like six, like you were saying. Like right. That's a lot of damage. That's a lot of damage in this game, exactly. So nice small numbers, easy to understand, easy to remember and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so an, a super good point that I noticed in your review that I didn't make, but I I totally agree is you said that uh, it's cool that they made all of your uh, partner characters have different buttons and different types of button inputs, different from Mario and different from each other. So that, that makes them feel more unique uh, in the way that they move and, and everything. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was a good point, And I like that, too. Yeah, it makes them feel distinct and i definitely had my favorites just based around which timing i liked to use more than like i hated madame flurry i didn't like using her moves mm. i didn't think she was a particularly effective combat character so i i never used her i hardly basically. used her yeah i used bobbery a bunch he's really strong right he just blows stuff uh, up easy <laughs> he just blows shit up he has a move that blows everything up it's expensive but you can use it uh and i so you in your review said that uh you used a lot of uh badge points i use a lot of flower points or mp Mm. uh that's the stack i focused on so i was using those moves all the time to just do like a lot of damage to everything at once whatever i I did and that went when that went pretty smoothly yeah, uh, I never played the game quite that way before as like a quote-unquote mage type of uh, build, I guess you could call it. But mm. it worked out because I was never like empty of FP by the time I got to a save point or a checkpoint where I would fill back up. Oh, nice. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, healing with healing items, you know, you're going to need to do it here and there. But I never, I, I always found like my characters attacks were better than whatever attacking items i would ever get so i didn't have that experience oh really yeah until the end of the game the end of the game like the items you know like the first time i used a power block or a fire flower i was like dude i just did five damage to everything that's amazing um sure yeah but then and so and that lasted as that counted as a really powerful attack for pretty far into the game but when it got near the end of the game um, yeah, then, you know, all the not terribly expensive items were just not that good. Uh, so I stopped using attack items for the most part. It's also a really low number of items that you can carry. <laughs> I found the thing. I I think it was the, the maybe it was the reward for getting down to level 50, actually. Yes. So, but somewhere I found the thing where bag. you can, yeah, the bag that lets you carry double the items. So that was pretty which cool. Which is still, which helps a lot. And double is 20. <laughs> that's plenty. That's the way. That's enough yeah, for me. Guess so. I, I mean, guess. I, maybe I'm a hoarder. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was using items as like as I found them. So another thing that I did with my badge situation is I put on the one that gives you more items after battle. Like you beat the the oh sure yeah yeah you beat the battle and then you know the enemy explodes into heart into if you coins. don't wear any yeah. other badges that that manipulate it you might just get a couple coins is what what's right. coming. But if you put on all three of the badges that give you plus flower points, plus hearts, plus items, you can get tons of things from every uh, battle. And if you don't do that, it's like you said in your review, in your review, um, you know, you don't get much experience points from weak battles at all. Like literally, 
you could fight three guys and just get a single star point. It's a real big waste of time in that case. Yeah, right. they do the same thing. This is the same experience system they had from Mario RPG, where it's based on your level relative to, to the theirs. enemy you're fighting. Exactly. So you get a constantly changing amount of XP. If you're level 10 and the enemy's level 1, you're going to get one experience point. But when you were level 1 and they were level 1, you got 10. Right. You know, whatever the math is. <clears throat> yeah. So it, it ends up breaking down and that's because there's a fixed number of points to get you to the next level it's always 100 yeah so no that's a good way i mean you know whether we like it or not is another thing but that is definitely a a a good way to make sure the the uh difficulty curve is exactly the way you want it to be true i mean you could have done it in a way that was i think it fits it, it, that's definitely the reason why they did it. The other reason right. why it's that way is because it fits with the small number scheme that they're going for, where even oh, yeah. the experience points that you're earning is never more than like 20. You know, that's yeah. a lot. If it's like 30 or 40, that's like, whoa, big crazy boss, like something. But usually it's like 5, 10. Mm. So all the numbers across the board in this game are small. And that fits with it because really what you're that whatever the math is you could just reverse engineer the math and just say well actually i'm getting like 500 experience here weighted against my level whatever the value is or the whatever the formula is mm. but they just don't show you that math yeah <laughs> they don't show you yeah yeah i did get a uh, 30 points from a couple of the end bosses yeah, that's like when they want you to level up and whatever. Uh, and if you do any of the pit of 100 trials early, you get like crazy right. <laughs> experience points. Yeah, if you can get past like some of the, uh, what I imagine are the, like the, just the points that pre- prevent you from going on, like guys that are made of metal and stuff or stone and you can't deal enough damage. You need to a move to do damage to them, yeah. Yeah, if you can get, once you get past that point, <laughs> you could probably really level up like crazy in there, huh? I've never leveled up twice in one uh, like match. Yeah, that's I wonder not if possible, you can. Right? That's what I was about to ask. I was like, I wonder if that's even possible. You'd have to get over a hundred stars. That means right from a battle. Have you ever so gotten anywhere near no. that? No, uh, <laughs> no. But I would imagine if you were to somehow get put down. your character in the bottom and you beat the dragon as like level one. It has to be worth more than 100. That has to be worth like point. 500, right? Yeah. So what would happen? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting point. <laughs> I know in Mario RPG, I've definitely leveled up multiple times in one battle. But mm-hmm. the experience system there is a little different. So I don't know. Uh, so let's see. What else were we talking about with the combat? combat? I know we mentioned uh, <clears throat> a couple things earlier on. But so I noticed like the general something... difficulty. Go ahead. Sorry, so you said in yours that uh, a thing you had to do uh, that you didn't really care for was that you always had to wait out all of the enemy buffs, like when they up their offense. Yeah. And particularly when they up their defense, that was a problem for me for a while. Yeah. Me too. I just I, had to wait it out. I was like, I can't hit him when he has plus three defense. He'll take zero damage. Exactly. And yeah, that's the other thing. So again, the numbers are all really tiny. Most enemies have zero defense. Right. And every time and you meet a person with one or two, like if you meet a dude with blow. one defense, freaking <laughs> Yoshi becomes useless. His normal attack, I mean. Correct. If yeah. You use his, any, yeah. 
Any uh, like Gubella would be useless. You can't hit past one two damage defense. or something. Yeah, one defense yeah. you can do. Yeah, right. And then if you level up your partners twice, I did. I found the right. thing. Right. Okay. Good. You had to go back uh, to Hooktail Castle again, right? Yeah. And get an up arrow, <laughs> which is kind of funny. To get an up uh, arrow, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, just to remind him to look up <laughs> to get the thing. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was that was another good example of this of game just being kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you could level up again at some point. The game starts just dumping shine sprites on you. That's the item you need to collect to level up your partners. Yeah, I had uh, extra ones after leveling everyone up to the max, even. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't level everyone. I just leveled up the ones I I like, and uh, I had a, a couple extra. And I know I missed one or two. I didn't go back to Glitzville to get that one. I don't think I ever did. Hmm. Yeah, I just you know I had the shiny sprites, so I just went for it. Did everything. Yeah, I mean you have to cross that place every time you go back to Rogueport, so they definitely want you to. Yeah. Uh, level up whenever you get back, and it makes a big difference. You get more HP for your partner and. They uh, get a new move, which is sometimes useful, sometimes not. And I think they do more base damage on their initial hit of their regular attack um, Hmm. per level up. And they all can only level up twice. So, uh, yeah, Goombella can hit uh, two, I guess, when she's max level. Mm, I think so. But if, like you were saying, they're armored and they buff themselves, like... Yeah, you could Damn spend a lot of FP. Well, you could spend a lot of FP on an attack that does like seven damage and then do three damage to them or something. Right. <laughs> that oh, that's such a waste. It is a waste. But <clears throat> if you're like, I just want to get through this fucking fight. Yeah. No. So I usually just focused on somebody else, or if that was the only person, then yeah, I would like let Vivian take me down into the shadows and like just wait out. Oh yeah. Especially but when they did attack to, up. You have to have Vivian out. I used her a lot. Oh, you did. All right. I almost never used her. She was kind of critical to my dangerous badge setup, actually. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Because she would be able to hide you? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I used Bobbery a whole bunch. And probably Coops a lot because you can always hit a bunch. He can hit anyone, right? Yeah. Well, no, only if they're on the ground. Right. But like, it doesn't matter if they're armored or anything. He can hit them usually. I uh, know if they're armored, he won't. But oftentimes the enemies are on the ground and not armored. Who am so I thinking he comes of? In handy a lot. What enemies am I thinking of that I kept constantly wanting to use somebody else, but I kept having to use Coops because only he could hit them. Not, I know you can't jump on fire enemies. I don't know. I can't remember now, but well, there was like lots of enemies like that for me. That's the thing that he is useful for is that, so there's that mechanic where certain enemies are either on fire or they're spiky. So right. an enemy that makes like soft body contact with them, with their fist or their feet will take damage. But Coops is using his shell <clears throat> and so his Bobbery uses his like explosion. So some enemies are attacking like quote from a distance. Mm. So like what like you do with your hammer, but usually they need to be on the ground for those attacks to work, or you need a badge for Mario to ignore spikes. Dude, there is a crazy freaking battle, like really early in the game, on your way to the to the dungeon that you have to go to after Petal Town, but before Hooktail Castle. Um 
Like you have to, you know, it's the place where you have to go to get, is it a dungeon? I can't remember. You have to get the keystones or whatever I think it is. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. And there's this battle where these two big ass stone spiky things come out. And yep. if you, you can't jump on them, obviously, because they're spiky. So you yep. walk up with your hammer and they just spear you before yep. you can hammer. And I'm thinking, is the only way to get past this to have an item? Yep. It is? Okay, wow. Yeah, at that me. stage of the game, it is. There are moves that you will get later on that you could have used, but you don't have access to them. Right. So I just avoided those fights or used uh, a POW block. I think, yeah, I think, no, there was one that was like a required one to get oh, to, right. the, to the first guy who quizzes you. <laughs> yeah, the quiz. How well did you do on those quizzes? Pretty well on most of uh, uh, them. Yeah. Okay, wait, I can't say pretty well, but I didn't hit game over on any of them. But I think okay. what always happened is because if you get three mistakes, you lose, and five correct, you win. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. I always got two mistakes, and then it was always like, "Oh God, oh God!" And then, but I got it to, at the end. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty good. What, what the hilarious thing? I think every time if you ma- manage to make it to the last question, which would be the seventh, because you got two wrong mm-hmm. and four right, and the last question is going to decide everything. So that would be question number seven. I got to that point twice, and it, both times it was the same question, which is, what number question is this? <laughs> oh, interesting. And behind Mario is a number seven on the freaking monitor. Got it. That's very <laughs> so, funny. Like, I wasn't worried. <laughs> they're, they're trying to help you out there. <laughs> yeah, they helped you out when, when it comes down to the wire. <laughs> so that was fun. That's funny. I don't think I've ever lost. I guess it's a game over if you lose. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. If if you lose, I, I um, did I see it or not? I can't remember because like my daughter played it too. Yeah, I'm not sure if you lose that, it's a game over or not. This game does this... straight up just go back to the save point. You lose yeah. everything. I was about to just say that. I was like, this game's like fucking serious about it's game over. It's like no game is over. Back yeah. to the main menu. <laughs> dude, dude. There's like a time where like what is it? That's right. When you're on the train and the ghost dude that you find. Tells you to get back his diary or something, and so I went uh, and found it, and he said, "Whatever you do, do not read it." And then you uh-huh. find it, and you walk, step out of the train cart, and he's like, "Okay, well, should I read it?" And you have to say uh-huh. yes or no, right? And uh-huh. I said yes, and then the, another text box comes up. Are you sure you want to read it? Because. <laughs> you, the guy said something really bad could happen to you. And I said, yes. And they asked if you're sure a third time. I'm absolutely yeah. sure. Yes. And it's instant game over if you do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. There's a couple dialogue game overs you can get in this game beside that one. Mm. Uh, I guess the quiz counts as one. But at the very end, there's a dialogue choice where you can choose to join the main enemy or not. And if you say right. yes, you just get a game over. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I was... I, I was tempted but i was scared <laughs> it's instant it's not even like are you sure it's just like yeah all right game over Mwahaha, <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, there was also going back this is going way back to like how good the dialogue is there were like some weird little dialogue scenes too like for example there's that time when the this guy and his wife are having an argument and the wife says, if you want to make it up to me, say I love you 100 times. Oh my and you God. have to sit there and he, he literally says it 100 times. You have to press the button over and over again 100 like a times. The counter shows up eventually, <laughs> but the counter shows up eventually. It doesn't right. show up right away. It sums up like at the 10th time or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was kind of blown, mind blown at that. He's really going to make you do it? 
make me gonna press it a hundred times. After like the twentieth time, I was like, dude, they're gonna interrupt me soon, right? They're gonna interrupt me with like the. I continue. thought so too. I forgot all about that. <laughs> That was genius. Oh my god, that was actually very funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, the game has a lot of funny little dialogue, gameplay elements of it. Uh, so, getting back to here. combat. Yeah, on my notes. Uh, <clears throat> so you mentioned a couple things I didn't pick up on. So the the stage that you fight on. That's like the most kinda, important thing of this game, I think. It's. It's definitely something I always, whenever I have gone to play this game again, I always forget. I was like, oh yeah, the whole stage mechanic, and that's interesting. Uh, where you, you're basically putting on a show, and you are attracting audience members, and the stage has random, apparently not completely random, uh, events that will happen, like lights will fall or the yeah. backdrop fall or yeah. something <laughs> and backdrop. you had mentioned more you use your hammer i noticed that after a while yeah so i had no idea that's what was causing that i, I think that's what it was at like at okay. the very end of my playthrough i think i finally noticed it dude i think that's only happening when my hat when i use i used power smash a lot is why you know what? Because the backdrop mm. wobbles around a bunch, mm. but it doesn't always fall. I think that's true. I think it's trying to indicate to you the boom if you shake the place. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and yeah, so and you can do a timed like block on those things to too to negate damage. Uh, it will also randomly freeze some or all of the participants in battle or cast oh. like a, a smoke screen a sp- yeah i'm like what is this like that it makes the enemies and i guess you also more Blood. avoid uh easy to avoid or something 50 percent dodge rate and it's just like well i guess combat's just on pause for a turn or two yeah and that happened to me three times in a row once i was like what the fuck I mean that smoke mist machine order that popped out for me like most battles. Like I just, I just like what well, what is this? Quite a lot. It was probably the most common one, but the other one was like the icicle fucking blast. I don't know what that yeah, was. the dry ice, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe and it would freeze. I in the fight with Bowser at the end, I you know, froze him. I was like, oh, cool, all right. And then, yeah. <laughs> Nintendo guys, or yeah, Nintendo guys, especially with Mario games. Are like really into the making throwing in like a bunch of random stuff into all their games. Like, uh, I think that's how the progression of Mario Party games goes as well. Like the first ones, they're a lot more skill based, and they just get more and more and more like luck based as each new one comes out. Is what I hear anyway. Yeah, I think they're interested in their solution for game difficulty is often to just kind of add randomness. Yeah. Either or detrimental depending on the game to keep everyone on the same footing or you know yeah. counterintuitively to sort of make sure everyone has a, a more similar experience yeah and I, I, not just it all up to player skill mm, yeah i remember miyamoto or someone on uh, from nintendo said that they want their games to be fun without being difficult 
Right. Like and talking about Mario games or something. Yeah, Mario games, they, they've had numerous ways of approaching it. Like, sometimes what they'll do is if you die a bunch in one of the Mario games, they'll be like, you want to use this power-up that just basically makes you invincible and can fly forever? And you can say no, but they'll ask you if you if you die in an area. Mario like, games do that? Newer ones, yeah. Like the newer huh. Mario Galaxy and uh, uh, other Mario games. That's maybe. interesting. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I care for that. Me neither. It's a little annoying. You have to say no every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, I don't want Baby Bogon. Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, Thanks for insulting yeah. me, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of obnoxious. But uh, in, in the past, they've relied a little more on the mantra of something being easy to pick up but difficult to master so uh, more of hands-off approach where the game is simple in its basics but the skill ceiling is really high for those who yeah spend the time to get there but they've kind of moved away from that in favor of <clears throat> you know making sure everyone has the same consistent experience and mm. You know, for whatever it's worth, that's kind of the direction they've gone in. Uh, but yeah, they do those the random elements in combat here. I don't know how I feel about them. I could kind of take them early. I, I, I think I'd rather do without them, to be honest. Yeah, maybe me too. I don't know. It definitely adds something, an interesting, you know, another thing to think about, uh, which is fine, I guess. Yeah. audience one that you mentioned in your review if we had to keep one i would keep that because it's not too intrusive the audience thing is not is not like really i mean i know sometimes they jump on stage and like <laughs> dump buckets of water from the rafters down on you and stuff that sometimes happened but i mean the the audience thing is uh oh you mean the thing where they throw things at you from the audience right. yeah that's an interesting one where like you have to pay attention to whether or not you have an X button prompt or not. Yeah, and then you have to, like you said, you have to scan the audience to see if what they're throwing at you is actually good or bad, and then you and can then just panic decide. and hit X and then bop them on the head regardless of what they have in their hand, which is usually what I did. Yeah, it happened to me a lot, too. <laughs> uh, I, I, that I like that. I don't mind. Yeah, I would keep that. But all the other stuff, the stage falling on you, eh, the freezing in the fog, eh. I like this backdrop falling thing, actually. Um, especially if it actually is like I think, and it is actually just every time you use the hammer, because then you can you can learn to do the the defense timing and avoid the damage yourself, and the enemies will never avoid it, and they can get an extra one damage, which is cool. Right, that's true. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the the audience throwing stuff at you. I think it's okay. The only part I don't like about it is if you're in a menu, you have to back out of the menu to hit X. Oh. <laughs> which is kind of like you're always in a menu. It's a menu-based game. So, right. <laughs> so <laughs> I never, and then I don't, you know, I panic, hit the wrong button, and then I get bopped on the head during an attack. Yeah. Or like but, right before I go to hit the attack. But the but the thing where you have to impress them by doing stylish moves and hitting button times correctly to get star power from them, I think that's genius. I think that's really clever. I think having that audience number it's increase cool. as you do better, and that affects the star power, and then also having your level determine like how famous you're getting, so you yeah. have a bigger stage. 
Right. That's it right. Yeah, like there was a, a time where I leveled up. Stairs and it ends in like a giant operatic, like, you know, huge area. Oh, I wonder if you level up to the max, like, does the stage get, like, noticeably, like, different? That is a good question. I don't think so. I think... I don't know what level I was, but I think A-list celebrity or whatever is, like, the highest you can go. I think that's what I got up to, though. Yeah, there's only three. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, I, as a person who used those star abilities quite often... Um, I know you didn't care for the sweet treat healing ability, but I yeah, needed it a lot. Effective a lot. I guess, yeah, because you were always riding the edge. I always mm. felt like I got more effective ways of healing. <laughs> right. If you buy a bunch of mushrooms, you could just use those. Um, yeah. But, you know, they cost money, and I didn't have a lot of money in the beginning of the game. After the Coliseum, though, I did have a lot of money, and I could have spent a lot of money on uh, items. But also, I was using the get items from Battle Badge, uh, which, <laughs> and you know, I just used those. Uh, but you don't get anything really crazy. You won't get like a freaking life shroom that'll like save you upon death or anything. You won't get anything that crazy from a normal battle. Um, so yeah, using the sweet treat or whatever was a good way for me to heal, especially F uh, flower points. Yeah. Because I always ran out of those because I didn't have that many, only 15, I think. I mean, I had, yeah, you start with five. I leveled it up once to 10 and I had a badge to give me another plus five. So I only had 15 the whole time. That's and crazy. I, and I only had 15 HP also because <laughs> I didn't have That's any bad. so great. You could easily get one shot. I mean, toward the end, there are enemies that will rapidly throw a lots lot of, of hits like, at you. Yeah. And you could easily get like 20 damage taken so, in one volley. So are we going to go into the badges now, I guess? Sure, that's definitely part of... Oh, well, I guess you broke that in a separate section here. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, okay, well, hold on then. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Did I have anything else about this? So I, I mentioned in my review, I I was running from a good number of fights just because <laughs> I didn't want to have to deal with them. Uh, I had the badge that lets you, you know, bop enemies on the head to cancel the encounter. Whoa! I never um, found that one. Yeah, there. I don't remember where I got it. You mean when but... you're outside on the field, if you jump on them instead of initiating battle they'll just get knocked out and be done they'll just get they'll be dead but they have to be some number of levels below you yeah but that's that's no problem it's wow. still pretty good yeah. yeah i don't think you get anything for it you're, it's not like you're getting one star point and and items they just disappear right but you have to time it you have to hit them with a hammer or jump on them right. uh it's still easier to avoid them i think yeah just like run around them or whatever um some are trickier to avoid the way they move on the uh, the world, yeah, uh, the world level. But uh, for the most part, I was running or avoiding a lot of the battles. I'm assuming you were in, you finishing most of them. Yeah, I went ahead and finished most of them because I don't like the whole dropping coins thing. <laughs> yeah, you do drop <laughs> coins when you run. But yeah. I wasn't. So I finished most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's go into the badges. Uh, like we were saying, this is a big mechanic of the combat and then the gameplay where you equip badges. You have a pool of badge points, and uh, badges all cost a certain number of points. And some badges affect you, some badges affect your partner, some are general gameplay changes. Um, yeah. 
my uh, I think my only comment here was in relation to what you said, where you spec toward bad points. You had fifty-seven <laughs> bad points. Yeah. Jesus. I needed them all too. <laughs> That's a lot of bad points. <laughs> yeah. So um uh every time you level up in this game for the audience, you could choose between what you want to increase. You can get five more HP, five more flower points, or three more badge points. And uh, I said, as I wrote in my review, I've leveled up my HP once because 10 was not enough. I leveled up my flower points once because five was not enough. And then I equipped another badge later to let me have five more flower points, and 15 was doing actually pretty good. And I spent all the rest up until the end on badge points. And my daughter was like, dude, you only have 15 hit points. You're going to die. And I'm like, no, I need more badge points. And when I love I got, how you went so hard into badge points that early. Because I remembered from the first game, like, I want more uh, badge okay. points. I need to equip more awesome badges. There are so many of them that are good. I want to equip as many as possible. And so, yeah, I knew from the beginning I needed to focus on badge points. And... um uh, at the very end, though, uh, you know, I started going up a bunch of levels in that final dungeon. And I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to use these badges that I have equipped now. So I finally started. I put like three levels into HP at the very end <laughs> before the final mm -hmm. boss, which was a good idea. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, that would have been a really hard one to do. Yeah. So anyway, what were your favorite badges, Mel, or most used badges? Uh, the one, like I said, the one where you nullify encounters, uh, mm. I used, uh, a bunch of hammer related ones for Mario, ah. the quake badge or quake yeah. hammer or whatever that yeah. hits everyone early on. That was super powerful. There's an ice and a fire one that yeah. I used. I didn't use any of the ones that like, if you're in peril or danger or whatever, get a buff, mm. uh, Let's see what else ones did I use? Um, some basic like trade off like more um, more attack for lower defense. I think I used yeah, that's one yeah, and the partner equivalent. So a lot of the times these badges are effectively two badges because they have a partner equivalent right. that <clears throat> does the same thing for them. You have to equip and it separately for, for, yeah, for separate points. <laughs> yeah, separate cost. And uh, I tried the one that gives you more damage when you successfully execute in a timed hit. Me too. But it reduces it. Yeah, I, it, I it, if you don't that. get it on time, though, you just deal zero damage, though. Right. So, so I ended up taking that off after some point. Well, most of them aren't that hard, right? Yeah, but I I didn't like the inconsistency of missing and doing zero damage. I was trying to like I was like, nah, I don't care if I miss the timing. Hmm. Okay. So my bad setup was a little bit crazy. I can imagine. <laughs> Um, it turns out the badge called Close Call, which is when you're in danger, you're you're more likely to avoid attacks, is like really high percentage. Oh, uh, like, so you paired that up with the one where you have low health. Got it. Well, I paired, yeah. So, well, I did something better than that. I paired that one with another one of the same one. And when you get into danger <laughs> mode, when you have two of those equipped, 
almost nothing hits you. It's so wow. crazy. Like I can't believe they let it be that that powerful. So I had that combined with uh, if you're in peril, which peril only happens when you're at one HP. If you're in peril, plus five attack power. Um, that's a bad deal because you have to be that's one crazy. HP. But you get yeah. plus five, right? That's insane, right? <laughs> um, so I put that, and then yeah, I put plus one attack for uh, as long as you make the button timing, but zero if you miss it. I put plus one attack, minus one defense. Um, I put an attack up just for free. Uh, not for free, but I mean just plus one attack with no other negatives or anything attached to it. And uh, I also put a couple defense up as well. Uh, later, I had enough points for those as well. And I mostly just considered all the damage to be done by Mario. And my huh. whole world was changed when I got the spike guard badge, which lets you just jump on top of dudes mm -hmm. and have spikes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, my freaking God. And I got that on. And you, you, get, you put on multi-bounce and power yeah. jump. Oh, and boy. you have beaten the game almost, almost. <laughs> so normal battles, if you can get yourself down to one HP and then not level up for a while, because when you level up, you get healed. Um, right. And never get healed at all. If you can make sure you can get the first strike, you can enter a battle. It doesn't matter how many enemies they are or how many, or if they have spikes on. You do multi-bounce and you do seven damage to all of them and they die in one round from Mario. Huh. Uh, but more impressive is what you can do when you go into a boss battle with it on <laughs> because uh, you can use power bounce and the first bounce will do 10 damage. The second Whoa. hit will do 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, if you can keep it going that long. So you can literally one-shot a boss if you can do it. The timing is, like, super impossible to figure out, though. Like, I swear it's luck. <laughs> um, I think they block you on some of the boss fights with multi-hit. Uh, moves that would reduce their HP below a certain threshold because the game wants you to step through the different phases. Maybe I don't. I don't know if that actually happened to me though. I mean, there were times where I got somebody really low, but then I died and I had to try again. And then there were times where I just like failed pretty early. I don't know, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, if you can get, if you can get uh, Yo Yoshi to uh, to hit, I, like I killed Rockhawk like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing because if you mac you know you have to mash the r button when he attacks yeah. and then he'll do like five hits right right if if you have because i had it for my partner as well i had all of these same badges also for the setup for the partner as well if you um if uh you can get uh yosh to one hp as well and he does that he'll do five hits times like seven damage and instantly do 42 oh. damage in a single attack yeah, that's more HP than most, most of the bosses, bosses, right? Have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what I did, and I had a good time doing it. But at the end, I couldn't do that. The final two bosses were too hard to do that. Yeah, they also have quite a lot of HP. Uh, I guess the reason, is, you know, that that is really OP, but there's a little bit of logic, I guess, behind it uh, because if Mario dies, it's instant that's game, game over. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have that life shroom that auto resurrects, right? That's it. Your partner can still be alive. It doesn't matter. There's no normally a uh, way to revive. That's it. Game's yep. over. You go yep. back to the last save. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I guess they're trying to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. To but you some have to extent. have one HP to do it. So I mean, you could die at any moment if they don't miss. Right. You. There, there is genuine. Even if you're eighty percent likely to dodge, you're still twenty percent chance away from a game over. And given that's a lot. Right. <laughs> and if you're going to do that for every battle in a dungeon, yeah, yeah that's pretty dangerous. That's kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fucking dangerous. So. Uh, yeah, that that sounds like a really crazy high risk, high reward playstyle. Not surprising given the way you've played some of the other games on our playthroughs <laughs> recently. Yeah. Uh interesting. I hadn't really considered mid maxing. Like I said, I uh in my previous um I don't know if I wrote this in my review, I wrote it in my notes here, but in my original playthroughs, I always leveled everything evenly. Right. Because it was like, that's the way you got to do it. Like, you never <laughs> know. Like, got to be prepared for where. So I was yeah. always like, HP, FP, and then BP, and then back to HP. Right. <laughs> you know? In a row. In an order. <laughs> In a row. Do it that way. Make sure everything's nice and even. Or, or leveled up evenly. And, uh, you know, so I was never really mid-maxing, which doesn't surprise me that you can break a game like this. Because the combat sort of uh, structure is... It's pretty simple. Like it's probably yeah. very breakable if you know exactly what to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Interesting concept there. I yeah. hadn't. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought to dump all my points into BP that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> I had a good time. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, let's see. Are there any other parts of the gameplay you have uh, to comment on here? Um. There was a really interesting thing in the first... I, okay, that's not the first ba boss, maybe. Uh, in the boss battle against Hooktail, that was mm -hmm. really interesting. That was I was still really scared of like what's going to happen when I meet the dragon, <laughs> when, I, when I met him. I had a whole lot of you know confidence in my later game, but in the early game, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was kind of scared. Um, and you found... I found... I wasn't f catching on to what the hint was, but like the uh. hint was... Hooktail is deathly afraid of things that start with CR and end with Icket. Like, what? <laughs> uh -huh. What do you mean? Cricket. Okay. I don't know about crickets, but there's right. something related to it in this castle. And I went all over the place and I found the thing, but I didn't know that was the thing. When you you know uh, what the thing is? It's a thing that yeah. there's a badge that changes your your hammer sound effect. <laughs> And I guess that's the sound of a cricket, but I didn't think it was the sound of a cricket. Oh, I just had it on to try it, and yeah. I got lucky. When I hit him, he's like, oh, my God, the sound, it's a cricket. I'm like, wait, what? This is it? This is the cricket? I didn't know that. <laughs> so I got lucky. Did you, did you figure that out or know about that? I did from the earlier playthroughs, and that's just something I remember doing. So that's interesting. I didn't know how clear that was communicated because i don't remember what the actual like hint was for yeah. that well, somebody says was, it just like what i said hinting. okay yeah. yeah interesting it's funny you didn't think that was a cricket <laughs> yeah i didn't think that sounded like a cricket it sounded like a little just boyoing sound to me yeah <laughs> it's kind of not yeah you're right i'm trying <laughs> to think of what it sounded like but yeah <laughs> there's other sound effects badges too yeah i got a few three of them i think also had a ton of money once, so I went ahead and blew 360 coins on making my 
uh, clothes the same color as Wario. <laughs> oh, right. There's color ones, too. So I didn't <laughs> buy so many badges because I didn't have that many BP, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah, I forgot. There were ones that color. There's another one that makes you look like Luigi. And if you put the Wario and Luigi on, you look, you look like Waluigi. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. So you have to have both on. <laughs> yeah. Badges in this game are really cool. And sadly, they took the wrong lesson from badges in the later games where you need uh-huh. equipment that is like, what if you found badges and they were like single use? Single use? Like use them and but then you they're keep consumed? Badges. Yeah. Mm. that's kind of what the later games end up doing uh, and it's not as good <laughs> okay yeah that doesn't sound like fun to me either not as yeah fun it anyway. like kind of turns it into more of like a card game sort of thing where you're getting they're, they're stickers but they're basically badges and they do things some of them are really basic like they let you use a basic hammer move huh. and then you use it and then but it's you gone get more. yeah but you get more and i don't know those games didn't review very well i looked at them they didn't seem like they would be what i wanted so i never played them i see yeah were there any dungeons that you really liked in this game i enjoyed the uh, mm, go ahead i enjoyed the uh ghost uh the twilight town duplices I just spoiled his name, guys. (laughs) Oops. Well, you still, that doesn't help you, though. What do you mean it doesn't help you? If you know his name, you still can't. You have to go through the whole thing. You have to go and get the letter P first? Correct. Is that what you you mean? You have to go and get the letter P for the menu. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because the P is missing. Oh, was it missing? That's what he meant by missing. Okay, yeah. I, was, I was like, yeah, I was confused. Like, what do you mean by missing? Whatever, but I have it now. I didn't notice it was the, gone the first time. Yeah, if you look in the menu, the letter P is gone. What you're doing is, is you're genius. collecting the letter P from the menu. <laughs> right, for the menu, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the menu. It's, I don't know, it's just another one of those like, kind of mega humor things that they they do. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, I liked his uh, dungeon where you had to like go in the room with all the ghosts and then you had to rush through to get to the other side and stuff. I thought that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, uh, I guess uh, dungeon-wise, I like the end was kind of cool because you're constantly using all of the powers that you got, like one after the other after the other. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. It was more like the combat itself that it was my focus. The combat and the script. Those mm-hmm. are the two like takeaways I have from the game. Okay. I also like the eight keys puzzle section as well, actually, in the final dungeon. Yeah, that was <clears> fun. <throat> I thought some of the hints were a little goofy. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, they got to make it hard to understand or else it'd be too easy, right? I guess. Or it's just like, eh, I don't know. I, I kind of didn't like that section too much. I prefer the combat, straightforward stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we move on to music? Okay. Is this the last section then? I think so. All right. Let's talk about the music. Music. Uh, you had a lot more, as not surprisingly, to say mm-hmm. about this. Um, it, once you stepped through it and started talking and bringing up certain aspects of it, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, 
I can hear that now in my head. Yeah, this tune did blah, blah, blah. Uh, but my point, my takeaway was that it is mostly a background mm. thing that kind of stays out of the way. And it's not going to stick in your head, but it's not going to bug you either. But there there are standout tracks, the ones that you mentioned in Rogue Port and The, the Battle. battle. It's way too short, to notes. be honest. It is way That's too short. True. <laughs> it is true. And uh, there is a separate boss theme, but it's, it's kind of generic. Uh, yeah, I don't At remember I... any of the boss themes, so I guess they didn't stand out to me either. But There's just like more <clears throat> grim sort of music. There's like mm-hmm. a bell that tolls at the beginning. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and then it's kind of just like kind of serious. But yeah, uh, the regular, real upbeat kind of metal scene that has a bunch of homage to other tunes in Mario games. Right. It is a pretty good track. <clears throat> Indeed. So, yeah, for, without a doubt, the most important track is the best track, thankfully. Um, it is way too short, like I said, but my God, it is so catchy. And I really like how they use the Super Mario Brothers stage one theme, like the most famous Mario song of all, as like the bass or whatever, for the, the inspiration for it. Um, for the audience, you know, the original Mario Brothers stage one theme goes, and the very beginning of this game's battle theme goes, like it's almost the same, right? <laughs> yeah, it keeps yeah. getting almost the same, almost the entire track. Right, exactly. It happens a lot, and yeah, but I don't know, man. Just like the whole image of Mario is, you know, he's this happy Italian plumber guy, and every time he jumps, he goes, "Ooh, wow, hey!" <laughs> and it's it's like the most fun thing ever in the world. And man, like they totally nail it with, uh, you know, that battle track where we're just having fun. Hitting stuff with our hammer and jumping on turtles, man. It's fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I cannot get that freaking bass line out of my head. You know, right in the beginning of the beginning of the song. The song's super short. The whole song is the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it goes to that horn line that sounds just like Mario Brothers 1. And then it goes, da 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 And then right after that, the bass comes in all like, yeah. boom, 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 boom. And that thing never left my head for months <laughs> that baseline yeah i forgot about that little <laughs> breakdown part yeah. yeah and then the keyboard player comes out like <laughs> i'm like dude this is awesome and then you know uh the uh after the keyboard player goes on into like a full-on solo it ends with then the horns come in and you're like okay they're winding the song down Wait, wait, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. That's that's the wrong part. That's the part in the beginning. Hold on a second. Okay. What's the next thing that comes up? The end of the Super Mario Stage One theme. I was like, oh, they hit it perfect and brought it around full circle. I was impressed. It is a really good track when you break it down that way. I have to agree. <laughs> uh, it didn't stick in my head too much, but I can instantly remember it, though. It's like one of those things where mm. thinking about it, I I know it. Because it is a, a track you hear a lot. 
Um, and I, you know, it definitely conveys the sort of the energetic kind of upbeat nature, but it's also, it's got that more focused section because you are, it is a strategy game. Ostensibly, yeah. you are trying to think a little bit and think, so you're looking at a menu and you're like, oh, should I do this or that? So it plays into that as well. And huh. you can tell that they were kind of, you know, you got to, it's not just, an, it's not an action game, right? Although right. there is kind of action-y. Um, <clears throat> so I think it, it fits, it fits what you're doing. And uh, as far as what the rest of the, the, the game soundtrack rogue port definitely still stands out to me yeah uh and then the dr frankly or professor frankly uh a weird yeah like it was just crazy like, soundtrack right <laughs> i can't remember it now but i just remember when uh especially the first time you're talking to him in that really long ass cutscene. that's something we didn't bring up in the story full of long ass unskippable cutscenes. you better be ready True. for some dialogue if, if you're gonna play this game Oh yeah, um, and freaking he's talking and talking and talking about the legend of the seven stars and all that, and all of a sudden like the track is just like freaking Arabian Nights, <laughs> like I don't know freaking Aladdin time. It's Aladdin time, just like from out of nowhere. And the the Rogueport uh, track has something like that too, and I don't really understand the connection. Are they just going for something unique? Because Rogue Part starts off with all the strings going, which sounds really cool. And then the freaking bass, along with this thing that sounds like a sitar, goes, and I'm like, what? That's interesting. I don't know. It's got this sitar sound going on in this soundtrack. Going for something a little exotic yeah like overseas because it's like a port town but you don't you're never really told of what like where are you i don't know you're in road 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 port port. (laughs) wherever that is and it's not the mushroom kingdom right it's somewhere else yeah so uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess that's to convey the sort of exotic flavor they're going for i don't know what Professor Frankly's deal is he's just like a crazy, yeah, crazy professor guy with swirly glasses. So he's he's weird and eccentric and he screams a lot. <laughs> I guess that's what they're going for with his. I uh, guess music. that's what they're going for there. <laughs> yeah. Overall, I like the soundtrack, even though most of it is just atmosphere stuff. Uh, yeah, I I can't call to mind more than a couple sort of ambient hums and tunes from any of the other areas. Uh, but that's not a bad thing. I think it works. Um, there's kind of an electronic quality to some of it in like with the keyboard section in mm. the mm. battle music, but also other areas where it's got this sort of electro oh, sort of the, the X knots moon base was like that. Yeah. Yeah, and in the Great Tree also, there was this sort yeah. of electronic, sort of synthy almost. Yeah, you're right. I remember it a little bit two now. Parts of it here and there didn't really stand out too much, but it was in there. The so, Xnot Space one stood out to me, like because you walk in and it's yeah. playing these like crazy uh, arpeggios at the beginning, but then after that, it gets kind of all subdued again, like just background atmosphere music. But in the beginning, the arpeggios kind of stood out to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they carried that further in Super Paper Mario mm. for the Wii, which was a platformer right. and not a role-playing game at all, really. Yeah. Where that theme and the electronic sort of nature of it was highlighted even more. So maybe they were starting with that idea there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. All right. Mm. Uh, uh, any other final points you have? Uh, nope. If you've never played to the audience, if you've never played Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, and you like turn-based combat, I recommend it. Yeah, this is considered of the original titles, like kind of the height of the series. I know yeah. the later games uh, have their own fan base at this point. I, from what I've gathered online, I was reading. Mm little bit about it and there seems to be a bit of a division among people who i guess are probably younger who played the newer games and like those and people who played the older games and like those yeah uh, where that fits in with the mario and luigi games i don't know but i've only played those briefly they're very different and the ones on the game boy advance are more similar to these games they have a gimmick in them that's a little different, but the one that is on the the ones that are on the DS are heavily reliant on the dual screen uh, concept to the point where I think there are certain elements where you need to turn the DS sideways oh, whoa. to participate in certain parts of the game. Yeah, they, they go really mm. off in really wild creative directions with some of the Mario and Luigi uh, games. That's made by a completely different company. I looked it up. I thought that was Intelligent Systems who made those games. That's Alpha Dream, I think it's called. Huh. It's the company that made those games. I don't recall them having the same level of dialogue that they that these games do. Hmm. I think Intelligent Systems really is this is like their strong suit because yeah. the Fire Emblem games are really well written too. So I have a feeling this mm. is kind of their signature move here. Cool, yeah. Um, have they made yeah. any newer games after this, or like what? I mean, just Fire Emblem, I guess, huh? They're on the Fire Emblem train. <laughs> like Fire Emblem picked up and blew up big time. It did, didn't it? Yeah. Around 2013 <clears throat> or something, when they thought they were done, and suddenly it sold like the craziest thing ever. And they're like, I guess we're super duper not done. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And it went on to make a lot more Fire Emblem, so I'm pretty sure that's what's been occupying that company for a while now. But yeah, they used to do this. I don't know who's making the Mario uh, RPG series um, since then. Maybe it's been Intelligent Systems, but uh, mm. the um, yeah, they just they never quite stayed within the same wheelhouse on. Um, on any of that. Yeah, it is intelligent systems who made the later ones. But so they just they went off in different directions. Some of them were still like semi turn based, but like I was saying, there are these other elements that kinda layer on top of it that stop it from being a truly like a traditional turn based game that doesn't have mm -hmm. those gimmicks in it. Um, How was the did you play the origami one that came out recently? The origami King? No. I came close to buying it. I think we mentioned it. On yeah, we thought the combat looked kind of cool, but we never got to play play it. So we yeah, sure. never never got around to it. I never heard really like stunning things. I heard like it's kind of like 
thousand-year door if you squint at it sideways. <laughs> and I'm like, might as well just play thousand-year door if that's the case. Like, I, mm. I still have that game to play. Like, it's fine. Um, so yeah, I guess to say this is a really good refinement of a part of the series that they may have moved away from. Who knows if they'll ever get back to it. But yeah, if you like turn-based games, all three of these games are really solid up to this point as far as I can say for certain first-hand experience-wise. And um, good luck finding a copy if you're looking for a <laughs> physical yep. version. Yep. <laughs> Probably really expensive. <laughs> I think it I will be. <laughs> believe that Paper Mario has been available officially on like Nintendo's virtual consoles at different points. I don't know about Thousand Year Door, though. Mm. So that might be hard to track down unless you're willing to go the emulation route. Right. Um, <clears throat> all right. Okay. Um Shall we say what we're going to be doing next time? I think we, yeah, we should. Yeah. All right. So I'll introduce it since it's going to be my game this time. Yeah. So this time uh, we're playing a game that I have already played a long time ago. And it used to be my all time favorite game. And then later I decided to let some other (laughs) things take over it. Because I guess maybe because my uh, preference for gameplay changed a little bit. But it's definitely one of the best games out there. Um, Mel has never played it. It's called Xenogears. Oh, baby. This is a huge deal for Mel uh, because you know he doesn't play Xenoblade, but right. he you played all of Xenosaga episodes, right? All three of them. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, me, yes. Me too. But he has never played Xenoblade. Uh, Gears. Gears. Sorry. Which is a huge deal. Um, so yeah. just to get you in the correct state of mind to enjoy this game, Get ready to read a hell of a lot of slow ass moving text. Oh boy! Just well, it, it's like that forever. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to put myself in that mindset, which is true. But I know I have the propensity to be in that mindset because when I was, I guess it just depends on the type of game it is. That if it's like in my sort of mode or not, and I'm assuming this will probably be because the you know saga games. Whatever lore, as ridiculous as it was, I just absorbed all of it. Like <laughs> the original uh, game and the third game had those um, compendiums or whatever they were. Those, oh, right. I read all that shit. <laughs> oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah, there are some uh, direct. Did you know that this was actually that the uh, Xenosaga was supposed to be five or six episodes long? Did you know that? Yes. Yes. Did you know that the fifth episode was supposed to be a remake of Xenogears? I don't think I remembered that, but that sounds familiar. I didn't know, I thought um so Xenogears takes place after. After what? Sorry. <laughs> after Xenosaga? Yes. Um if the fifth episode was supposed to be a remake of it, then right? Right, but I mean, yeah, but it was it should have built up to right. So it's, it, the thing is, they they squeezed a whole bunch of stuff from Xeno Gears into Xeno Saga. So there are going to be a few things that you know, actually. I've kind of figured. Yeah, I wasn't sure where the overlaps were going to be. Uh, yeah. but I thought, not knowing anything about Xeno Gears' story, that it was before Xeno Saga. But I guess that's not true. 
No, no, no. I, I think time-wise, it see, episode one should have started. Uh, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be slightly unrelated because they they separated from Square Enix and became Monolith Soft, right. and then they made uh, Xeno Saga. And even though it's supposed to be like you know, un, un, episode five is supposed to be Xeno Gears all over again, they couldn't call it Xeno Gears and. Right. I mean, it's weird. They can't call it Xenogears. It has to be something different. But, like, there are things that are just obviously straight up right from the game in episode in any of the episodes of Xenosaga. So, like, yeah. maybe they were just going to go for it. Like, uh, you will notice the name Uzuki in this game, yeah. for example. Right, right, right. Without right, giving right. anything away. You know, it's like, it's the same person. <laughs> like, What? Can you do that? that I, think I, I heard because, you know, obviously having known the Xenosaga games, I've read up about those games and yeah, I've heard about some of those connections, <clears throat> but just, I don't know the details on any of them. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I, we did actually attempt this over a while back. So I played maybe the opening three ish right. hours or so. Okay. And the emulator at the time kept crapping out. I, Pretty sure I fixed that issue at this point. Okay. So this will be a go around. This may have this may be the second time we're introducing this playthrough. It is, and, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And uh so we'll give it a go. I'm pretty <clears throat> sure we're good. And uh then I think I don't know, you wanna talk a little later down the pipeline as to what we're planning? Yeah, we can do that. So yeah, we we're gonna have that and um Depending on how long we take to do that, this is a sixty-hour game, Mel. So yeah, right. Um, uh, depending on how long we we take to do that, if we can finish it within two months, then yeah, I say yeah, we go ahead and maybe just play another game. Uh, if we do, that will be um, Shadow Hearts from the New World. Is right. That the right name? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I've never played it. Mel played it a little back in the day. It's a PS2 game. I think I can get it running. <laughs> All right, we'll give that a shot, and then um, just as a general, like, sort of programming note, we're gonna start sort of turning more toward the games that each of us want each other to play, like for real, for real, and we're kind of trying to like crank the volume up a little on some of the right. the our top tier games. What then. we, yeah, we're trying to reach a little higher up the shelf. This we've been doing this for. A few oh, years. A while now. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah. three years, something like that. Time flies. Um, and then eventually, and this is just kind of, I guess, maybe more mostly in, in my head, what I'm thinking is I want to get us to a point where we start talking about games we both have played before, which we've oh, we done a little bit of. There aren't right, that many, though, right? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think we'll get out of those even more dialogue where we're both very familiar and interested in the game in question. Right. And that's going to lead to a very different type of discussion, I think. So, yeah, you're probably, um, so those are some things that are in the planning and the offing, as they say. Um, yeah. I mean, we could just tell you guys straight up now, Mel has three more games to play and I have three more games to play. And then we're done with the, uh, we're done with the format where one person played it and loved it and the other person is playing it for the first time. Yeah, because there were only so many of those games that... In the world, we yeah. Could, <laughs> we do. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to pivot to our games that we both have played and both know well 
that we would have probably very different things to discuss. I'm sure a lot of it would be similar. And that's going to be a different line of discussion. It's probably going to be a slightly different format, maybe, maybe not, but it'll probably be a very different sort of um, uh, uh, different discussion. And we have a few of those queued up uh, as well. So, Yep. But before we finally get to the end of all this, mm-hmm. on October 27th, the Game of Games comes out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Star Ocean 6 comes out, and I oh, have to play it day one. Mel says he'll check it out and play it with me. And uh, if he ends up hating it, then we'll make a, a quick episode about why he hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll, it'll very quickly after he uh, after it comes out. And if he likes it enough to play to the end, then you'll get a normal episode from us. But it'll be a game that uh, both... N- it will be a game that neither of us have played because it's just coming out for the first it's time. Brand new. Yeah. yeah it's brand it new. looks good. It looks promising. I hope I don't hate it. You know, it, it so. might not be a game quite for me, but we'll see. Yeah. It yeah, looks I mean, good. I don't know what it's going to be for sure either, and I could hate right. it too for all I know. You're exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Those are, those are some of our plans. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend, say so somewhere whatever recommend it to whoever you think would like a sort of long form podcast discussion about mostly turn-based games but not always mostly role-playing games and mostly japanese role-playing games Mm. and uh we're here on youtube if that's probably where you're listening we're on most podcast platforms under the same name turn-based memories and that leads me to thank my co-host Zoltan. Thank you, Mel. And thank you all for listening. Have a lovely day. Good night. <laughs>